We are continuing our series in the Gospel of John, and we are nearly halfway through the book, and today we are going to be looking at John chapter 10, and at the center of our passage are five words that contain life-transforming truth. There's five words, six syllables, and real power to change lives here in the room this morning. We're going to spend our time considering that Jesus is the good shepherd. This is what he says at the very center of our passage. I am the good shepherd. And our immediate association with this shepherd imagery is, is usually pretty po- positive. It's familiar, it's comforting, it calls to mind Psalm 23, which says, The Lord is my shepherd. It's one of the most frequently read psalms at funerals, and something that we think, yes. We enjoy this imagery. The Lord is my shepherd. There's a sense of care, of nurturing, of peace, and this is absolutely correct as we come to this theme. But there is something deeper that we need to engage with if we want to know the full life-transforming power contained within this truth. Often we, we don't get more deeply into um, this uh, aspect of truth because of our experience of shepherding. Uh, I don't know here, anyone have hands-on experience of being a shepherd in the room? Not, not many of us, although if I said um, two words, Christmas nativ- nativity, anyone now have first-hand experience of being a shepherd? Yeah, okay, so you've got a picture, this is my shepherding experience. It's not, there it is, okay, there we go. So, um, I am the one on the left, and um, uh, dre- dressed by my mother, where is she? Oh, she's here. There we go, over there. So, yeah, any styling tips, you can go to my mother if you'd like to recreate um, this, this look, this, uh, me and my, my brother. Um, and subconsciously, this plays into our mindset when thinking of uh, the shepherd imagery, or the other image that might come to our mind is this next one. Um, I mean, if you think the Lord is my shepherd, who else thinks of this kind of imagery, kind of the immaculate hair, the flowing pastures? And so hearing that phrase, I am the good shepherd, you think, yes, this is good. Because this is be, um, what we need on a, uh, a holiday Sunday, a nice encouraging um, sermon. It will be encouraging, uh, I hasten to add. But also that there's something di- um, deeper that we need to get into. Because there would have been a different kind of shepherd imagery, which would be much more familiar to Jesus' hearers at the time. Because shepherding is actually significantly more demanding than we may imagine. And when considering the shepherding stereotype, we'll be better to less focus on, on this image and more kind of the gritty action hero type image. Uh, I'd always go to Bruce Willis, but I think I need to, now need to update that. So I'm thinking like Jason Statham. That's the kind of image that we should have in the mind of Jesus being the good shepherd. We kind of, this is the shepherding imagery that we should be heading towards. Something kind of more gritty um, uh, response, not kind of the immaculate hair. Because um, shepherding requires being outside in all seasons and all weathers. It requires fighting off wild animals. We read of King David in his shepherding days fighting off lions and bears. It's tiring. It's 24-7. It's dangerous. Shepherds also spend most of their time with sheep. And this is another aspect of the shepherd imagery that we don't often immediately see. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, that means that we are the sheep. 
And then we can think of the images of uh, kind of happy, fluffy creatures, and you think, okay, I can kind of handle that. But actually, sheep really don't have the best reputation. They're known to be smelly, stubborn, and stupid. And again, this is maybe not the encouraging sermon that you hope for this morning, but that is the nature of sheep. Sheep are continually getting lost, hence a parable where the 99 sheep are left to go after the one, because that is just what sheep do. They're easily frightened. They're not good at finding food. They are uh, completely dependent on the shepherd. And they're of, of limited intelligence. There's a story in the BBC News website a few years ago of how uh, on a, a Turkish field, one sheep decides to take a launch off a cliff, a 15-meter drop, and then the next sheep, that looks like a good idea, keep going until 1,500 sheep had all gone off the face of a, of a cliff, 42,000 pounds worth of sheep all piled at the bottom. The only saving grace is that sheep are fluffy and bouncy, so only 400 of them died. But <laughs> nevertheless, we see this is the nature of sheep, and this is, this is us this, in this imagery. If we're to truly know the wonder of this truth, that Jesus is the good shepherd, we need to accept that we are in need that we are sheep who easily wander astray. Sheep are smelly, stupid, and stubborn, but they are also valuable. That's why there's a shepherd, rather than letting them freely wander the fields. They are known. The shepherd calls them each by name, and they are cared for. The shepherd leads them to good pasture. So we're going to read from uh, John chapter 10. Vicky's going to come and read the passage for us. We're on page 1076 uh, in the, the church Bibles. John chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason the Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man with a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thank you. Those last three verses of a passage highlight the important question for us to be considering here today. There was debate among the people about how to respond to Jesus at the time. Is he demon-possessed? Is he raving mad, or is he the son of God? It calls to mind uh, C.S. Lewis when he sums this up. Is Jesus mad, bad, or God? There's no option of just good teacher. This is not a rhetorical question, and it's not theoretical. If Jesus does the things he does and says the things that he says, it requires an answer, and today... We need to answer it and to know that it has life-changing implications. So we're centering today on this claim that Jesus makes, I am the good shepherd, and unpacking what that means for us. And the first question then is, who is the good shepherd? That's the question that they are asking. Who is he? Who is the good shepherd? Because the identity is crucial. The first verses of our passage highlight the need to be alert for the thief or the robber, strangers who the sheep do not belong to. And Jesus affirms that he is the good shepherd, that his people belong to him. Not only this, Jesus is God-made man. And we've already come across a few of the I Am statements earlier in our series that are contained within the book of John. And these I am statements are important to understand more of who Jesus is and his divine nature. We actually have two of these statements in our passage, I am the good shepherd and I am the gate. And this phrase, I am, links directly with the divine name of God, calling to mind Exodus chapter 3, when God appears to Moses at the burning bush and Moses asks the name of God. The response is, I am who I am, or it could be translated, I will be who I will be. God shows that he has always been. He is the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is faithful, and he is never changing. And this name, Yahweh, I am who I am, showed that he's not shaped or determined by anyone or anything else. He's entirely self-sufficient. He doesn't need us for relationship. There's perfect unity within the Godhead. There's relationship there. But God creates the world out of overflow of his love and creativity, not out of need. He creates. He sustains. He is all-powerful. He's all-loving. He's all-knowing. And then there's a sense of his name that, that carries, I will be who I will be. God determines the future. There are no surprises There's nothing outside of his control. He is God past, present, and future. There's nothing in doubt. No one and nothing can successfully stand against him. And so we can see all of this truth being caught up in just two words of the statement, I am the good shepherd. I wonder, is this how you see Jesus today? 
And when we consider the nature of Jesus being the good shepherd, we are to know that he is the God of the universe and of eternity. He has all authority and power. And we're not to reduce him in our minds. And that's why it's so important that as we gather, we spend time in worship. In this, there's both a declaration and a reminder, an encouragement to each other as we sing to remember, this is our God. This is who we worship. There's vastness to his power, his faithfulness and love that we cannot fully comprehend. And we're to know that we are his. We belong to him. Verse 12, we see that Jesus is not simply a hired hand. The sheep belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The cattle on a thousand hills and us here today, we are his. We belong to him. And one of the mind-blowing truths that this God who's supreme, supreme over all creation, over all time and eternity, but he is also the one who is present with us. But shepherds can't do their job working from home. They can't sit on the far side of the field hoping the sheep were going to get on with it by themselves. They're present, they're alongside, and that's such an encouragement for us. Verse 3, it says, he calls his own sheep by name. He calls them by name, and he leads them out. (laughs) Notice that sheep is a plural term, but each individual is known by name. And at the time, shepherds would have given little nicknames for for the sheep. Those are the names, whether it be long-nosed or black-eared or fluffy or grumpy, whatever it may be, he'll know them by name and he will call them out. And so wherever we feel here this morning, we are significant. You may be sitting here, does anyone actually know that I'm here in this place? Well, first of all, we're glad that you're here. We want to make sure that you are known amongst us, but more importantly, you are known by the living God and you are known by name. The shepherd comes to the sheep. The initiative is is totally from him. He comes to find his sheep and to gather them to himself. This shows his incredible love and grace to us. And this is where the the shepherd imagery is, is wonderful. Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep. And it speaks of Jesus being with us day in, day out, with us in the mess of life. And so here today, we are to reject the lie that God doesn't know you or care for you. We are called and known by name. We are secure. We are to know this and to feel it. Later on in in chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. We are secure because Jesus is the good shepherd. He is one with the father and no one can snatch us out of the father's hand. Jesus is powerful. He's present. He's also willing to make the greatest of sacrifices. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is not a thief, he's not a robber, he's not a hireling. The thief comes to, to kill, to steal, and destroy, more interested in fleecing the flock than caring for them. We've seen this uh, evidenced in uh, uh, what we, the passage we looked at last week in John chapter 9, the leaders there who were spiritually blind. They should have been guarding and nurturing, but they neglected this. And we see this throughout church history. We see this throughout the Bible. We see it even today. There are many 
who fall short. In fact, all will fall short apart from one. Jesus perfectly obeys the Father. Verse 17 and 18 says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is completely voluntary from Jesus, and he does it for us. Romans 5 verse 6 says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ dies for the ungodly. Jesus knows us completely. He knows what we need, and at just the right time, he came and gave his life for us. Because there is only one way to salvation. He is the gate. We are saved so that we can know the shepherd, and this is the purpose of salvation. We see Jesus not only embraces death, but resurrection. Acts 2.24 says, It is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Think about that for a moment. It's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And we have a good shepherd who is over all, who is close by and with us, and who's willingly given his life for us. He's defeated sin and death. This is who we're to have in our minds. We're looking, who is the good shepherd? And seeing this truth has power to transform how we live, how we think. And it does need a response from us. So we not only see the good shepherd, but we also need to listen for his voice. Let's read in verse 3 and 4 again from John chapter 10. Jesus says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. To follow Jesus means that we listen to his voice. So I want to take you back to the days before mobile phones. Um, actually, anyone in the room have never used a phone like this, where you have to actually put your finger in and turn the dial? Anyone never used? Well, okay. Okay, a, 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 a fair number. Um, I want to, if you've never used one of these phones, then you probably don't know the experience of calling up uh, a household and not really being sure about who's going to answer, um, because that could produce a, a lot of anxiety. Actually, my first experience of, of this was um, being allowed to answer the phone. It was always very exciting as a child, age eight, to be able to come answer the phone. Of course, it was never for me. Um, and what was even worse is you pick up the phone, age eight, your voice hasn't broken. You go, hi, Sue. It's like, no, I'm not my mother. Um, <laughs> It's very dispiriting for week after week, being confused with your mother um, day by day. Um, but that was, that was the challenge. I don't, I don't blame them, because when you're calling up, you're working out, all right, who might answer the phone? How am I going to respond if it's this person or that person? Anyone remember that, those kind of thoughts and feelings going through your mind? But the best thing was, when you called up uh, a household where you were very familiar, and all you need to do is say, hi, it's me. And you know. You know they know your voice. You know that they know yours. And that's a huge comfort to that. There's a call that we are to know the voice of Jesus. And to have real comfort that he knows us and we know him. We need to be familiar with him. 
The shepherd coming to the flock is a, is a powerful metaphor and we're familiar to the hearers of Jesus because there would have been large enclosures with many different flocks of sheep contained within and there wasn't a complicated system of, of sheepdogs trying to um, get their sheep to the right shepherd. The shepherd would just lift his voice and the sheep would come to him. And that's what Jesus wants for us, for us to hear his voice and to come to him today. It's a challenge, isn't it? How do we hear the voice of Jesus? Because even if we want to, we think, how, how do we do that? Particularly in a, in a crowded world, there are many different voices that crowd in on us. If you watch any video or podcast, they ask you to click and to subscribe, and just like that, there's another voice that wants to speak into your life. And many of these voices aren't wrong, but we do need discernment to spot the harmful ones and the ones that are distracting us, particularly noting the influences from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because the voice of the world can come at us through our culture or from social media, telling us how we should be thinking about ourselves, about how we're to look, how we're to speak, how we should be, um, who we should be giving our time to, which behavior is acceptable. A voice that's saying, it's okay to do that. Everyone else is doing it. Why don't you do it as well? There are many false shepherds out there, and there are many influences who are out to shape your life, not for your good, but for their gain. There are others who may not be seeking to purposely lead you astray, but will do so anyway. So we're to take time to assess how do the voices that you're hearing on social media feeds, on group chats, on discussions over coffee, how do they match up with the voice of Jesus? And are we familiar with that? And then there's the the voice of the flesh. This is our sinful nature. And this can be the voice that tells us that we're not good enough, that we may as well give up. It can tell us that we need to give in to our desires. There is no way that we can fully live right. It can also be telling us to keep striving, keep trying to prove ourselves, to be meeting the expectation of others and leading us to live in unsustainable ways. And then we need to be aware of the voice of the devil. And this can be the voice that twists truth. Like at the start of Genesis, the question comes, did God really say? Manipulating truth to knock us off course. And this voice can sound plausible, can sound rational, but there's something underlying that is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. And this is the voice that can knock us off course, to throw up doubt and to cause much division in our lives. But there's one voice that we need to hear loud and clear. One voice that's above them all, the voice of Jesus. So how do we hear the voice? Well, of vital importance is to say yes to him and to be one of the sheep in his fold. Jesus says in verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so our starting place is to acknowledge that he is the way, the truth, and the life. To acknowledge that we are by nature smelly, stupid, and stubborn. And this is, this is countercultural. This initially doesn't feel like good news, that we need to follow someone else, that we need to admit that we don't have it all together to confessing that we've messed up, that we've fallen short, we've gone astray. And this doesn't fit with the, you got this mentality that is prevalent around us. Jesus promises life to the full. 
But we need to start with a life of surrender. Let me ask you, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you said yes to him? Have you confessed that I am in need? Everyone has sinned and fallen short. But we need to confess this before him. And to know that Jesus has given us the ultimate example in laying down his life so that we can know salvation. There is hope for us. Because in this example, we've seen that sheep aren't the the most bright of creatures, but even they can hear and learn the voice of the shepherd. Even with us, with all our shortcomings, that we can hear Jesus when he comes and calls. The key is not to be spectacular. The key is not to be nailing it in life, but it's to be one that listens for the voice and follows. Let's be those that respond to the call of Jesus today. And he wants us to hear it day by day. We're to remember that this is based on relationship. It's not about formula. It's not about meeting a certain standard. Jesus chooses a highly relational metaphor, being the good shepherd. We also know that God is our father. There's relationship there. It's about trusting the work that Jesus has done at the cross and be drawn into relationship with him. There's also an intentionality about it as well. We ask God to speak and we put ourselves in a position where we can hear his voice. Being here today is a brilliant start. In community, God speaks to us and we can hear his voice. But also as we spend time in in prayer, in the Bible, in giving, in fasting, we're to be expecting to hear God speak to us and to be um, meditating on truths that he's spoken to us in his word. And remember, these things are not an end in themselves. We don't read the Bible to tick it off a list. We read the Bible so that we encounter the living God, so we can hear his voice speaking to us. And so as as we do these things, we're to be expectant, but also humble, to know that God loves to speak to us, but know that we don't, don't deserve it. We can come with confidence. We can come with persistence. And to hear a voice which often comes in a whisper when we slow down to hear it. It's an incredible call to hear the voice of God. And then finally, I'd like us to look this morning about how we're to be those who trust the shepherd. We've seen who the good shepherd is. We've heard the call to hear his voice. And now, I'd like to spend some time thinking about how we're to trust the shepherd. Because verse 10 contains an incredible promise. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come that, may, that they may have life and have it to the full. And we can be confident that God knows about life to the full. We only have to consider the oceans that teem with life, with vibrant tropical fish, or think of the wildlife that pours forth in the rainforest to know that God knows about how to bring life and life abundantly. Now in Jesus, we are called into fullness of life, not only now, but even to a much greater extent in the future. And to fully enter this life, we need to be those who submit to the shepherd's leading. And this is where we can easily get unstuck because we like to be in control. And even when we're not in control, we like to know what's happening. We like to know what's going on. Often, if we're honest, we don't want a a good shepherd. We'd actually prefer a good consultant. We want someone who will kind of give us a good bit of advice, who maybe point us in the direction, but we like to remain firmly in the driving seat of our lives. We want to stay calling the shots. 
But God calls us to remember that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep. We're not to be confused about our position. We're to remember that he is committed to us, that he is sovereign, and that he is good. And even though we know this truth, we are still sheep. We're stubborn, we're smelly, we're stupid, we're prone to wandering off. And particularly when sheep wander off, that can lead to a sheep's worst nightmare. And I don't know what you may think a sheep's worst nightmare is in a, in a sheep's mind, but uh, I think for me it, it would have to be when a sheep becomes cast. I don't know if you've ever come across that before, but this, what happens is a sheep can end up on its back with its legs in the air and is stuck. It cannot get up. And um, if you just, just picture that for a moment in your mind, picture a sheep, a nice fluffy sheep on its back, legs in its air, and uh, legs in the air, and for, it's quite comical, isn't it? You think, ah, oh, that's a shame, sheep. But unfortunately for the sheep, this is a, a life-threatening situation. If it stays in that position, it will die. It will suffocate. It cannot get itself up. And so there it will be with legs thrashing, a sheep's worst nightmare. I don't think if you put yourself into a mind of a sheep, you could imagine anything much worse. But that's why the shepherd will go after the one and leave the 99. If you notice that one is missing, the, the challenge could be that this sheep is cast and it will die if it does not receive help. And then the shepherd will come to that sheep and then he'll put it upright. And uh, apparently I, I was really it would even massage the sheep's legs because when it's been upright, uh, the wrong way up for too long, it won't, it's unsteady. The problem is if the shepherd leaves it, then it's just going to go back into the same position. So imagine that the care of the shepherd will massage its legs until the sheep is ready to go again. And the reality is that that's us, isn't it? There are times when we become cast. It might be here today that you are in that situation. You feel that you're on your back, you're stuck, your legs are thrashing. There is no hope. But we have a shepherd that comes to us and restores us with real care and strengthens our legs until we're able to walk again. I remember a few months ago, last October, I was feeling very much in that place, feeling cast down. Vicky mentioned at the church weekend that things hadn't worked out as we'd anticipated in our adoption process. And last autumn, we were faced with two options and both of them felt bad. You know, when you're in that situation, you, you don't know which way to turn. We were feeling cast. And every day for a month, I read through 2 Chronicles 20. In verse 12, it says, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In these situations, we are called to trust the shepherd to trust his sovereignty, even when you don't know the way, the way forward, to trust that he is nearby and to listen for his voice. In this situation, we can use the words of Psalm 42. My soul, my, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. But following Jesus doesn't mean that our problems disappear. But we can pray them through the darkest of nights. We don't always understand what's going on, but we can trust the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for us. 
We can trust him in all seasons. Trust him when it's going well. When we can echo Psalm 23, he leads us into green pastures. And there are times we feel that, don't we? And we're to bring praise to God when it feels like it's going well. Trust him that he knows what's best for us. And to know that actually the shepherd knows what's good for us. He knows what we we needed. We don't always get what we want, but he always provides everything that we need. And we're to surrender to him. I read this week what Paul says in Acts 20, verse 24. It says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And that's our story, isn't it? That we know God's grace in every season, in every situation. And our task, our only task, is to finish the race that the Lord Jesus has put in front of us. We don't run other people's races. We don't need to compare ourselves to each other. But we trust God to strengthen us as we keep our ears open to him, our eyes on the good shepherd. So we can trust him through the darkest valley. And sometimes we walk through dark valleys to get to a better pasture. We can see God's hand over it. You look back and you see, yes, I can see how God was working through that. And sometimes it is just dark. And in this life, there will be ongoing challenge and trouble, but we have a future hope, a shepherd who will lead us faithfully home for all eternity. And that's where we need to place our hope. Hebrews 6 verse 19 said, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You may just hear that truth today. So Jesus is this good shepherd. We are his sheep, and this is incredible, life-transforming, liberating truth. He calls us into fullness of life. We need a good shepherd, one who knows us, who loves us, and calls us on. And as much as we prefer a good consultant, this isn't what we need. And it isn't what the world needs either. This world needs to see the truth of who the good shepherd is. As Jesus calls us on and includes us in his mission, verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus lays down his life for the sake of the world. And this has been the story from the very beginning. Through Genesis, there's a call to bless the nations. Jesus sent his disciples to the ends of the earth. And in Revelation, there's a scene of a great multitude from every tribe, tongue, nature, uh, and nation, all worshipping the Lamb of God. Jesus is a good shepherd who's worthy of worship from everyone, in every circumstance, and in every situation. So today, we are to respond to the voice of Jesus and call others to do the same. And the best way that we can share the love of Jesus is to live in it ourselves. To not just say he is the good shepherd, but allow ourselves to be shepherded. To trust him completely. So let's respond today. And I encourage you, if you have not put your trust in Jesus, if you're not saying, yes, I'm a sheep, you are the shepherd, I need to come to you through the gate. You are the only way to salvation. I encourage you to respond. We'll have a prayer team later on. I encourage you to come to them and say, I want to respond to Jesus. Or it might be that you are in that place where you are feeling cast and cast down. God has given us one another 
to be able to pray, to stand alongside, to encourage, I encourage you to, uh, to come to a prayer team as well. While we stand together as we respond. Lord, we do thank you for this life-transforming truth. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that there is none like you, that there is none that can come close to your power, your authority, your love, and your grace. And we pray here today that you will meet us as we are. Lord, if we know that we are cast down, we choose to wait for you, knowing that you lovingly restore us. And Lord, we pray that we'll come to that place of surrender and of trust in you. Lord, your grace is unfathomable. We pray now that we'd respond with surrender, with trust, and in glory in your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.